Hello, I'm Greg Whitby, and thanks for tuning in to Blue Yonder Voices. Each month I sit down with an educator and talk about the work of learning and teaching in today's world. Today I'm chatting with Lynn Sharrett, who is an associate of the Ontario Institute of Studies of Education at the University of Toronto, where she coordinates the doctoral cohort in theory and policy studies. Lynn is a published author and her background includes cumulative experience as a teacher, curriculum consultant, teacher trainer, public education policy analyst, superintendent of schools and superintendent of curriculum and design. Lynn, where do you get some spare time in your busy life? You know, I find the work really inspiring and energising. So uh, for me... It's not only about teaching, it's also about learning. So I'm energized by the work and I'm energized by the leaders and teachers I work with and students who take the work far more deeply than I ever imagined. Mm. You have a global presence. You spend a lot of time in a whole range of countries. Are there common issues or is there a common approach or are there things that um, are unique to a particular jurisdiction, for example? Yeah, I, th I think there are um, many uh, similar strands that run through the work. And uh, one of them is believing all students can learn and all teachers can learn to teach. And that as leaders and teachers and students, we can clearly articulate why we do what we do. And then the other part of that is owning all the faces. I think that's work that goes across contacts across size and distance of school jurisdictions. Uh, when I travel the world and I see discrepancy between um, what's happening in, in um, classrooms and believing all students can learn, it really is about that shared belief and understanding and the shared responsibility and accountability. It's really global. It's a huge issue. Uh, do, do you think schools are rigorous enough in what they demand of young people? I think we could really step it up. Mm. I think that uh, when we get a handle on assessment practices that um, are thoughtfully planned, beginning with uh, curriculum expectations, making how to be successful cl clearly visible to students and giving feedback only on those success criteria, and then designing rich tasks which are cognitively demanding, we're going to see that alignment and that increase. It's a huge task. It absolutely can be done. And I just see it everywhere, in rural communities and urban communities, across contexts, Canada, Australia, Chile. It is possible. It starts with the shared beliefs and understandings. Yes, yeah, so that's part of your 14 parameters. Yeah. And uh, you have that lovely bookend where you... Yeah. Exactly. You, you put that in with that accountability, mm -hmm. but the shared mm -hmm. responsibility mm -hmm. is... Owning all the faces. Owning all... Everybody owns all the students. Yeah, and the teachers and the leaders. So it's a shared responsibility, even supporting and working with schools down the road. It's not just about my school, my students, my teachers. Mm -hmm. It's about all of our students, teachers and leaders. Right. The big issue, or one of the many issues we face here in Australia, um, the data keeps telling us why we might be trending in the right direction, mm -hmm. is that we're getting significantly worse at the equity divide. Mm -hmm. We're getting yeah. very good focus at the top yeah. and perhaps some good focus at the bottom. Yeah. 
the gap but is widening. The gap is just widening so much. Mm-hmm. So some advice on your approach to that? Yeah, I don't think it's about stereotyping students into pigeonholes. The student is learning disabled or identified learning mm. disabled. These students are gifted and talented. I think it's about strong instructional approaches in every single classroom that starts with assessment data and uh, leads to students being met, met at their point of need. And that takes the sophistication of, of teaching and learning, the art and science of teaching. And I do think that we've managed in Canada to close that achievement gap and the equity gap by looking at our framework for improvement and ensuring that there's a collaboratively planned, structured approach to improvement that leaves nothing to chance. We know every face. We know who the students are as learners, and we know our teachers, who they are as learners. And as system leaders, we know our leaders. Mm. We're all focused on that shared accountability. Mm. In your professional life, you probably didn't set out to get to where you are. Why did you become Mm. a teacher? I started in grade three with my favorite teacher ever. And uh, I can remember lining up my dolls and stuffed toys and whatever on my bed to teach after I came home from her class. So it's been a long journey to become a teacher. And uh, I made some choices really early on about going into teaching and stuck with them. So it's been kind of that lifelong passion, starting with a teacher in grade three. It seems to me, if you look at your career in total and the the reach that you have, that you have a very curious mind. You're continually asking yourself questions about what you're doing. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. I'm always now um, driven to look at evidence-proven strategies, Mm. not evidence-based but actually evidence proven. What's the evidence? What's the impact that we're making a difference? How do you know? And so the jurisdictions like Parameta that I work with are really grasping onto that as their question and taking it more deeply. Mm -hmm. How do you know that all students are learning, progressing, achieving, being extended? And there are some things within that we need to mandate. And I appreciate that in Parameta and the jurisdictions I work with, they're not afraid to mandate. What we know is higher order thinking practice in our classroom. So it's not good enough for students to go into year one, for example, at level zero in reading, because we know that our year one teachers can't take them to where they're expected Mm -hmm. to be at the end of year one. So there are some things that together we talk about what's mandated, what's non-negotiable, because we know it's really good for kids. You know that I personally am really committed to the now. and I, They're mm-hmm. in our schools now, now is when we make a difference. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's so difficult and it seems to take so much time to address these core issues? Mm. I think that's something that we need to uh, look at in terms of leadership. Mm. Leadership really drives this work. And if we have leaders who are self-doubting, they're not sure, they haven't Velcroed themselves beside a knowledgeable other, uh, we're going to have those inconsistencies, those doubting leaders that we actually need to have them 
clearly articulate why we're doing, what the direction is that we're focusing on, and how you build that third teacher, which is that culture of learning in a school to bring people along. And I guess, Greg, I'd also say that leaders need to know how to use the group to move the group. And some of that needs to be clearly modeled and monitored at the system level. You lead a very hectic professional life. And how do you keep positive about the work you're doing across Mm. all these jurisdictions? Because I see the improvement in students. I see the faces of so many students that I can, you know, name, call them by name, and the incredible stories of hardship and challenge these students have, and yet they are excelling, they're curious, they've found their pathway, might not be the pathway that we traditionally have um, thought about, but they're now alternatives for these students, however they must all learn to read and write, do mathematics, think critically first. And that's really inspiring when we know the faces of our students. If you were suddenly able to be the Minister, Federal Minister of Education in Australia, and we have some doubts about about their nationality at the moment, as you probably heard. Right. What, yeah. what, um, what change, what one change would you like to put in place? Mm. From a policy point of view. From a policy point of view, I I think um, that there needs to be an understanding of how we can put structures collaboratively planned in place so that we have teachers teaching teachers. So those knowledgeable others working alongside teachers, I think, move first-order change, those technical changes, to second-order change, which are the cultural changes of learning in a system, in a school, in a classroom, to third-order change, if you will. And uh, to me, that's about increasing all students' achievement. I think it starts with recognizing teachers as a very valuable profession. It starts with opening public education to scrutiny, to transparency, to that culture of learning. And governments should be very clear. It's a profession that we all honour, that teachers are valuable learners and can teach each other, and that governments have a line of sight to every face in the system. So that'll look different in different jurisdictions. But to me, that's the ideal. Well, I think you'd get plenty of votes for that Hmm. then. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Greg. You can search for podcasts in this series by going to blueyonder.wordpress.com or subscribe to this blog for alerts. These podcasts can be found on iTunes or via your favourite podcast app. I'm Greg Whitby and you've been listening to Blue Yonder Voices. Blue Yonder.